0: The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut, are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.
1: Hey, everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the podcast Southern Fried Soccer. Talking to you from Mercedes-Benz Stadium, where Atlanta United... Drew with Seattle 1-1 in what I think most consider a very disappointing result. Uh, it came in front of a attendance record of 72,243, uh, which is an MLS single game record. Uh, the team now has the top five highest attended games in league history for the regular season, as well as the highest season average, as well as the single game playoff record. I'm joined as always by Jason Longshore of 92.9 and SoccerDownHere.com. How are you, Jason? Hmm. Yeah?
0: (laughs) That was one of those games Yeah. on a lot of different levels.
1: Yeah, we're going to talk about that in just a second. Let's do some quick housekeeping here. Seattle scored first on a penalty from Nicholas Ladero. Atlanta United answered on a goal from Joseph Martinez off a header, his league-leading 19th goal this season. Uh, Julian Gressel with his eighth assist on that goal. So, let's get right into how the goals were scored, because I think that's going to dominate a lot of the conversation. Um, Ladero's came on a penalty. It came on a handball against Franco Escobar. Uh, It was a cross shot, cross slash shot into the penalty box. Escobar jumped, turned his back, had his arm to the side, ball hit his face, hit his hand, went out for a corner. Seattle basically refused to take the corner kick. They just kind of stood there because they were waiting on Toledo to talk to VAR to see if he was going to do a review. I've covered a lot of MLS, and I've never seen a team basically just refuse to take a corner kick, which is what Seattle did. Toledo went looked at the review, ruled it a handball, ruled it a penalty. Ladero took the penalty, Guzan got a hand on it, but it rolled in. I know it's within the rules. I don't think it's within the spirit of the rules. I think, as I tweeted, based upon what happened at the World Cup today and what keeps happening throughout MLS, that VAR is just, it needs to be eliminated. Calls that are right on the field are being made wrong by the use of VAR and replay. I've seen it happen over and over and over again. It's doing the exact opposite of what it was supposed to do.
0: If you're going to use VAR, It has to be closer to what we saw in the World Cup with a group of four. It has to be in a centralized location. You have to have better training. There's a lot of things that have to improve if you're going to continue to use it in Major League Soccer. Uh, Major League Soccer and professional referees organization, pro... Right now, it is a bit of a grab bag as to what you get with video assistant referees. Sometimes, like in the case today with Alex Chilowitz, it is a referee who is kind of on the way up. He's had four or five fourth official assignments this year. He's been in the center for one match this season in Major League Soccer and did not see any matches for him in USL or any lower divisions. Sometimes you get Mark Geiger, you know, an established referee as your video assistant referee. Sometimes you get someone like Edvin Juracevic who is not refereeing currently, who is pretty much specializing as a VAR. Sometimes you get a referee on the way up who has, doesn't have any MLS experience either as a fourth official or as a center referee. It's all over the place. How can the system be used consistently If you're basically pulling in a variety of different people to run it, it doesn't work that way. And doing it in the stadium, I think, adds another just layer of emotion to it that it doesn't need to have. If it's going to be used, it has to be better because it is hurting Major League Soccer matches right now. I've been on the record, and I will continue to be on the record, that the idea of using video assistant referees is good. The concept of using it is good. The implementation leaves a ton to be desired, and I think in MLS it's hurting the product.
1: Yeah, it was just—I uh, mean, the whole point is to wrong or to right wrongs. The call against Escobar that Toledo did not make was the right call. It—it it was a judgment
0: call. It's yeah. a judgment
1: call, but it wasn't a deliberate act. To, to put his hand on the ball It wasn't hand to ball It was ball to hand It was just like the World Cup one. A few people on Twitter were just going bananas When I said that was a bad call
0: I agreed with you today.
1: Just a totally bad call There's no way that Pirisic could have seen that ball Number one Number two, even if he could have seen it There's no way he could have gotten his hand to it After it ricocheted off the French player It was just a bad call And deliberate acts Are a part of calling a handball it says it. I don't know how many times in the rules of the game, those who don't think it is because I got several tweets need to go and read the rules. Um, so in a, now, here's here's what Martino said. Martino and I differed on this okay. because he said yes, it was a penalty. It should have been a handball on Escobar, and Atlanta United's problem was twofold. They didn't like the fact that Seattle delayed, 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 forcing basically the replay, and Toledo just didn't tell them to get on with it, which is what he should have done. And number two, McCann got drugged down in the penalty box. There's mm-hmm. photos of it on Twitter in each mm-hmm. half.
0: Oh, multiple and, times. I started and, watching for it because I saw one of the, the photos come across early. The video that's out there, I don't know which one it was. I don't know if it was time one, two, three, four, five, right. or six. Because every single time, Kim Kihi grabbed McCann, slung him to the ground multiple occasions, that one was probably the most egregious of it, the video that's out there, where he has his arm around McCann's throat.
1: And McCann is a big dude. Yeah. He, and he doesn't dive.
0: If we're going to go to VAR, period, if we're going to go to VAR on judgment calls like the handball in Escobar, then you absolutely 100% have to go to VAR when McCann is dragged down multiple times, when Miguel Almiron is hitting the back at the very end. What, what I will always be thankful for when it comes to Atlanta United is that play. Atlanta United could have refused to bring the ball back into play and make Toledo make a decision about going to VAR or waiting to listen. They didn't. They tried to win the match on their own. They tried to play it out. Seattle came in with such a gutless approach. They're too good of a team to play that way. They have too much talent. They came in to slow the game down. They took their opportunities when Baltimore Toledo gave them to them. And they get a point. What does that point really do for them? They're 11 points out of a playoff spot. What does that point mean for them? Yeah, It's frustrating all the way around today because Atlanta United has to be better, first off. They have to be better in these situations. They have to attack centrally even when it's easier to go down the flanks when the team gives you that. What do we have? 32 open play crosses? That's, yeah, that's way too many. 24 in the second half. It's way too many. Atlanta United has to be better. That's number one. The refereeing has to be better. VAR has to be better. It has to be more consistent. I don't know where the line was. Nicolas Ladero gets a yellow card in stoppage time in the second half for complaining. He complained about every single possible thing in the match. Jordan McCrary should have been sent off with a straight red for a nasty studs-up tackle on Leandro gonzalez Pires. We can keep going. The referees have to be better. And for me... I I kind of agree with with Bobby Warshaw in the sense from MLS Soccer. It's not in a manager's job description to grow the game, but this is the match, the only match in the world at this time. It was seen all over the planet after the World Cup final. It was seen in front of the largest attendance in Major League Soccer history, something Atlanta's getting pretty good at doing. And the Seattle Sounders came in with a match that Last week, Brian Schmetzer apologized to Brad Friedel, according to Friedel, for playing the way that they did. He said they didn't have a choice. He's got a lot of apologies to make today, if that was the case. Because I watched that match. It was rough to watch. This was even rougher to watch. Yeah. It, no, it's not his job to grow the game, but getting a point out of this doesn't do anything for his job either. It, the league has to be better than this type of display. It was very frustrating.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't blame Schmetzer for any of that. He's got to play with the cards that he has. And when this game got scheduled, no one knew that uh, Seattle's offense was going to go the way of Bigfoot. Well, there, um, part one
0: reason their offense goes the way of Bigfoot is let's let's compare Portland and Seattle. Portland comes in with as defensive of a mindset as Seattle. However, Portland has a plan to counter. And Portland has a plan to try to attack. Seattle has Nicolas Ladero, who barely missed out on a Uruguay's World Cup squad. Has been to the last two. Will Bruin, who's one of the more underrated forwards in this league, in my opinion. Uh, Victor Rodriguez came up at Barcelona, a player they spent a lot of money on. Harry Ship, a young, talented player. You will have Raul Ruiz Diaz. You will have more to work with. But you had that today. There is no interest in playing the game. None. You can't win that way. You cannot lose. You can't win that way. Yeah. And they got to win matches. Yeah.
1: Now, after the game, kind of speaking to that that defensive approach, Martino said it's not worrisome but, I guess, concerning. They've got to figure out a way. They've got to get somebody else in the box with Joseph. If they're mm-hmm. going to keep putting all these crosses in, you can't have one on four, one on five. Um I agree. And, you know, Joseph, bless his heart, can jump like he's got springs on his feet, but he's still only five 5'9". Um, so that's why he put Romario in, immediately made a difference, uh, but Miguel Amaron's shot went over the bar. Um,
0: yeah, that was a great ball from Romario Williams so to lay I, that back.
1: I think you'll see... Because D.C. United is going to come in and they're going to bunker too. What, what, I'm not what so sure s- of that one, well, honestly. Well, what we're seeing now more and more at Mercedes, teams that come kind of to Mercedes will bunker Atlanta United. When Atlanta United is on the road, teams will press. That's what we're seeing more and more of in my estimation. Philly did it. Dallas did it uh, on the road.
0: Um, I'll, I'll take it to one step beyond that. I think teams, when they come into Atlanta, they try not to lose. They don't necessarily try to win. They go about it different ways. You'll see some that bunker, like Montreal, was kind of like this, where they did get an early goal against the run of play, but they had real no interest in playing in the other half. Portland countered, and it's a different way of defending, but it was defense first. Seattle was just absolutely, we don't want to play. We're not here to play. We're here to just defend. Um, on the road, teams will play closer to their normal match, Philadelphia and Dallas are teams that can press, and they like to press when they when they get that opportunity. They're going to play at home to try to win the game. Here, teams come in to try not to lose the game, and it's a different approach. It's what big clubs have to deal with. You look at it in the top leagues around the world, and Liverpool goes to West Brom. That's how West Brom's going to approach it. And
1: Well, not next season.
0: <laughs> well. It may be in the cup, they will. Okay. Um, but, yeah, you just have to, you have to get used to dealing with that. Atlanta United has to do better with it. That's on Atlanta United, how they respond to it.
1: I'm really curious, though, to see who Atlanta United can put in the box that's going to be a threat. Because I can't remember the last time I saw Miguel Amarillo actually had a ball.
0: No, uh, it's got to be. Bar-
1: Barco is, like, 5'5". five. five. No. Uh, Viaba is 5'8". Um From the run I, of
0: play there's not one unless you well, go two up top.
1: Well, I'm curious about Vasquez. He is obviously tall enough. He plays on the wing. if I'm Vasquez and I'm hearing what Martino's saying, I'm going to the office and saying, look, you put me wherever you want to put me. I'll get up there and I'll fight for the ball and I'll scrap.
0: And what I'll I would be the knockdown guy. What I would say to him would be more of how you looked Wednesday night with ATL UTD2 because that was the first time I saw a lot of the Brandon Vasquez that we saw last season. He's had injuries this season. He's had a lot of stops and starts. But his Open Cup performance against Chicago was very poor. The next match for ATL-UTD2 was meh, so-so. Wednesday was much better. Very involved in all facets. Another game or two of that is what I'd like to see first.
1: And... If you wanted to get Vasquez on the field, who do you take off? I know right now who I would take off, but I'll, I want to hear who you would take off.
0: I wouldn't put him on the field from the start. Uh-huh. I, I don't think there's a spot for him from the start. Uh-huh. I, I would much rather focus my attack centrally and get Barco, Vialba, Martinez, Almarone attacking through the middle rather than win teams, even when they try to clog the middle. It's why you bring on a guy like Barco. It's why you have the speed of Vialba. Get them attacking centrally as opposed to just whipping in crosses. Because when you, when you whip in crosses to that group, you're, you're not going to win those crosses.
1: No. I'm just, uh, you know, taught, I kind of beat this drum for a little while a few games ago and then laid off of it, but I'm going to kind of start beating it again a little bit. I think Barco needs a break.
0: He might need a break, but uh, I don't think he's a guy you put on the bench for an extended period of time. No. He no. created five chances tonight. That was by far the best in the game. Yeah,
1: but how many of them were these open play crosses that Atlanta United No, they weren't open
0: play. The five chances is not open play crosses. Barco didn't put in crosses. Uh-huh. Barco wasn't putting in crosses. Those were coming from this side, those were coming from the just, right side with Vialva, with Gressel drifting out with Escobar.
1: And to the point where I don't quite know what I want to see from him, but just something a little bit more. Just to take a shot. Um, That's the other thing. I just – Atlanta United did have 18 shots tonight, but it sure didn't seem like they had 18 shots tonight.
0: Um, Six on target. That's above the average. That's like a top five in the league performance.
1: When teams bunker, rather than put in 32 crosses – That's the
0: issue I have.
1: I would rather see – take a few more shots from the 18. Just see what happens. You can get a ricochet. You can get a handball, obviously. I agree. Uh, Something to make that team – worry a little bit. Right now, they know Elanian is going to push. The, come into the middle and Elanian will push the ball outside, put in a cross. Chances are we're going to win the cross.
0: You can't just keep going cross after cross after yeah. cross. Of course, just like you need to take some shots from the 18, you need to put in a few crosses to keep the group honest. That's fine. Today, I would have liked to have seen, we're going to get picky, Tito Vialba cutting inside more to take shots needed to see more of that. I well, think then, he settled for the wing play too much.
1: Yeah, then they, they can't flip him and Barco because Barco's right-footed too. If you want somebody to cut in and take a shot, yaba has got to get on his right foot.
0: He can hit it with his from left. A better,
1: not as well.
0: Not as well, but he, it's not so much like every time it's going to develop that way. He can cut it back to the right and take a shot. I, I want to see Tito centrally more in those situations as opposed to putting in cross after cross.
1: The other impactful thing about this game is that Lenny United has now lost control of the supporter shield. Yeah. Um there are three teams that can finish better than Atlanta United now. Uh NYCFC, Red Bulls and Dallas uh, can finish with more points than can Atlanta United assuming that all the teams went out. Um no, but none of the Atlanta United players seem really concerned about that because there's still 13 games to play.
0: Still very early. Uh
1: but it's still you know a little bit worrisome I guess for them because they're now 2-2 two, two, and 2 and their past six games at Mercedes uh, ben State um, D.C. United comes in they beat them earlier here this year but they do have a bad history against D.C. United and they're going to be energized with Wayne Rooney
0: D.C. United looked good last night yeah. uh, Paul Ariola with two goals Yamil Assad with one to open and a beautiful goal from Assad Rooney came on for what about 30 minutes yeah. and looked good Yeah, played very simple very smart as a number nine uh, had an assist combined well you would expect that he'll be, you know, in the flow a little bit more next week. I don't know if he's in the flow enough to start. We'll see. But I'm not I'm honestly not expecting DC to come in and bunker. They've shifted to more of a four one four one is how they're playing right now. They have fourteen more matches at home. If they come in and get anything on the road, it's kind of a bonus. I don't know if you can trust Chris Durkin the teenager who's playing the six who's who's doing really well i don't know if you can trust him enough to bunker you're gonna have to get help around them and make it work they haven't played that way in a long time if they try to do it on short notice i think it'll be tough for them i think dc's more dangerous if they play the 4 and open up a little bit i think they can cause atlanta some problems that way Is this a good a, a dc united team that will be very good by the end how fast they get there will determine if they can push for a playoff spot
1: this also puts Atlanta United in danger, potentially, of not getting that one or two seed, mm-hmm. uh, which is huge.
0: That's massive.
1: Yeah, Atlanta United wants to avoid that. Uh, they they want to avoid that play-in game. And I think all of you who saw last year's play-in game know why. Um, so anyway, we're going to wrap this up. That's for, <laughs> Someone in another booth is motioning to us about VAR. Uh,
0: we tried to go in the actual VAR booth, but it was locked.
1: Yeah, uh, that's, that was the joke. We walked the press room where we interviewed Martino it was always freezing cold, and he walked in and he was shivering a little bit. And uh, blame me for the temperature <laughs> in the room. And I told him I don't control the temperature in this room. I only control VAR.
0: Oh okay.
1: boy. <laughs> he thought that was mildly funny, <laughs> uh, as my sophomore humor continues. Uh, anyway, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, Jason, what do you have?
0: Uh, Overreaction Monday tomorrow That'll be a fun one 9am uh, to 11 and on soccer down here It's blogtalkradio.com And the podcast goes out Almost immediately afterwards uh, Lots of new stuff At 92.9 The Game as well We'll have our weekend MLS podcast That'll go out late tomorrow night That's me and Jimmy Vance uh, Myself, Jarrett Smith We'll have a preview of the DC United match Probably Thursday night, Friday morning That'll go out and a week of soccer down here. It's going to be a busy week.
1: All right, and I've uh, updated the game story with quotes. I'll obviously post this. And either you know, later tonight or first thing in the morning, I'll have my player ratings from this game. And then I'll probably have another follow on VAR and something on the Supporters' Shield uh, and the, the impact that Atlanta United had in dropping points as NYCFC and Red Bulls and Dallas won again this weekend. Uh, but it looks like the race for the East is going to be seven teams now, maybe eight um, for the six spots. Um, the West is still a little bit of a mix. Um, but it's going to be an interesting end of the season. Uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, Atlanta United Ties Seattle 1 1 at Mercedes Benz Stadium. In front of a league record, regular season, 72,243 tickets sold and distributed, some disguised as people. And we will talk to you later. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And
0: I'm Ned Ravone, mm-hmm. lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means
1: something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's
0: new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the
1: entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.